0: Hi. Welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Okay, so you see, just as Hamilton spotlights an interrelated collection of individuals and through their private lives tells the public story of the birth of the United States, The Book of Samuel spotlights an interrelated collection of individuals and through their private lives tells the public story of the birth of the unified kingdom of Israel. Both stories deal with politics and war, to which Hamilton adds the financial establishment, while Samuel adds the religious establishment. And so today we'll read the opening of Samuel as a story of what it is to be God's church. This is 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning with the fourth verse. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Penina and to all of her sons and daughters. But to his wife Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her although God had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely, to upset her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, "'Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons?' After eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow, saying, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall not drink wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, and therefore Eli concluded that she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great vexation and grief all this time. And then Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the petition you have asked. And she said, let your servant find favor in your sight And then the woman went on her way and ate something, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and then they went back to their house from Shiloh. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord did remember her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As it opens, the book of Samuel defines Hannah by the fact that she is not a mother. She is that cursed creature of ancient society, the barren woman. Year by year, the text tells us, Hannah endures disappointment, bullying, frustration, grief, She weeps, she loses her appetite, she despairs, and then, bless her, she goes alone to the house of the Lord and lays it all out before God. And the priest, Eli, fails her. In her hour of need, the religious establishment fails Hannah, spectacularly. Eli doesn't just ignore her, He assumes the worst of her. He accuses her, denounces her. He leaves her defensively insisting that she's not, quote, a worthless woman. It's exactly what you don't want the church to do. As the inimitable theologian Fred Craddock observed, the most painful wounds are from the cut of stained glass. Now the temple at Shiloh would not have had the stained glass of this gorgeous sanctuary, but you get the idea. Church can do great damage. And that's had me thinking about our old friend Raoul, whom Clark and I met when we all worked with the Atlanta Shakespeare Company. As much as Raoul knew and loved Shakespeare, he knew and loved music just as much, And so, whenever our church choir was doing a major music piece in worship, I would invite Raul to come to church. He always dodged the invitation until one time I said something like, ah, come on. And he seethed at me, no! And then he walked away before turning back to me with an expression that I hoped never to see again. He continued, I hate the church. Seeing me standing there so awkwardly, he softened ever so slightly. And he said, Lee, perhaps the church has made you what you are. but..." I am what I am in spite of the church." And then he left, and since neither of us were ever wanting to be in that position again, we steered clear of that topic, and so I still don't know if there was some particular event that poisoned him toward the church or if it was just that he had suffered the oppression that the church has inflicted upon the LGBTQ community for as long as the church has been around. I don't know. But I do know that Raul was right about me. In fact, as I mentally replayed that event over and over again, I realized, probably for the first time, how much the church was shaping me. I'm one of the lucky ones. The church The congregational life of the church is very much the tool that God has used to transform my path. The church has given me the language for the love and joy of my family. It's given me the language for the beauty and wonder I find in nature. The church has given me the rhythm of my weeks, gathering for worship with interesting people who share my need to come and be strengthened and inspired to go back out as the body of Christ in the world. And the church has given me the rhythm of my years. The anticipation of Advent, the exhilaration of Christmas, the discovery of Epiphany, the cleansing of Lent, the awe of Easter, the holy hubbub of Pentecost, all the way to the majesty of Reign of Christ Sunday, which we will celebrate next week. And then we're back to Advent and we get to do it all over again. More than anything, God has used the church to teach me how I am part of a story that is infinitely bigger than me. I pray that you are similarly church-blessed. Not everyone is. I think of Hayun, who was in the first class I taught at Candler. Uh, the course was entitled Oral Presentation of Scripture and Sermon. Somehow people signed up for it anyway. It always drew a few Korean students courageously determined to proclaim the gospel in this language as well as in their own. We devised particular exercises for particular challenges. And I often heard myself saying things like, could you share your voice with us? Perhaps you can envision sending your voice to the back of the room. Sometimes it helped, but not with Hayun, a tiny woman with a tiny voice. She's the sort of student that you dream of, bright, diligent, creative. A month into the uh, the semester, she approached me after class. I apologize to my teacher. I know you want me to have a big voice. For all my life, my church has told me I have no voice. I stood there, big and loud, and I said something that, we both knew was inadequate, and she smiled and nodded and left. And in subsequent weeks I benignly neglected her because I didn't know what I could do to be of use. And then came the day for her to preach. And I don't know what happened, (laughs) but as she read from Paul's letter to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice Her voice opened and bloomed and filled the space, and the entire class sat there just stupefied in the midst of this phenomenon. I had just enough sense to know that I had nothing to do with what was going on right there in the room. And Hayun knew it too. At the end of her sermon, she spoke into the stupefied silence that followed. She said, God has given me a new voice. God does stuff like that. In the scripture verse for this year's stewardship campaign, we hear God declare, I am about to do a new thing. God can do that new thing through the religious establishment, the church, or in spite of it. As today's Samuel text continues, Hannah stands up to Eli's false assumption, declaring, I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. And Eli recovers some sense of his office. He offers a blessing that Hannah accepts, but the vocabulary makes it clear that when God grants Hannah a son, God is remembering Hannah, not responding to Eli's benediction on her behalf. And yet, God was also willing to make good use of Eli. In the chapters that follow today's reading, Hannah keeps her vow to God, dedicating her son Samuel to serve in the temple. And Eli becomes his mentor. In shaping Samuel to become a great judge and prophet, God uses even a flawed priest and the imperfect religious establishment. Which brings me back to Raoul. I'll always remember the telephone call when he called me to ask if I would do his eulogy. Raoul died of AIDS 29 years ago last week. Over the phone, he nonchalantly told me that his funeral would be at his mother's church out in Lithonia. He told me what all the music was going to be. He told me that I would speak for five to seven minutes. And he told me what my sacred text would be, not from the Old Testament and not from the New Testament. It was from Act 3, Scene 2 of The Tempest. I managed to say, okay. And then, just as I thought it was time to hang up, Raoul said, I've had the strangest day today. A priest came to see me, the new priest from out in Lithonia. He's not especially eloquent, but he brought me Holy Communion. And I ate and drank and I knew that everything would eventually be truly all right. Church, that was God using the church to do God's work. Closer to home, I think of what has got to be my favorite Covenant Presbyterian story. When it was time for Lee Wilder to come back to Atlanta from Montana, so that she could complete the cancer treatment that we are giving thanks for. She was in a bind with what to do with her dear dog, Boomer. And do you know what resolution arose? Brooke Taylor flew to Montana in order to drive Boomer back home to Atlanta. And when we think of the healing power of dear friends, Two legged friends and four legged friends. I do not doubt that that too was God using the church to do God's work. Now, God is not dependent on the church. God is, however, willing to invite us into God's activity. God calls us as the church and as individuals into God's story that is infinitely bigger than we are. And when we are aligned with God's priorities, God graciously uses us. God used Brooke and Boomer to strengthen Lee. God used Hannah to bring forth Samuel, and then used Eli to train that prophet of God. And God used that new priest out in Lithonia to feed a dying young man with the body and blood of hope and peace of Christ. Here in stewardship season, I hope you will consider how God has used Covenant Presbyterian Church in your life. And knowing that our financial commitments let Covenant be ready for God to continue using us to do God's work in the whole world, I hope you'll consider how God uses Covenant Presbyterian Church in the lives of countless other people. And let me say that if you are among those whom the larger church has wounded with its stained glass cuts, let me first offer an inadequate and yet heartfelt apology on behalf of the church. And let me say that my door is always open If ever you would like to come and talk. Church, let us do all that we can to ensure that covenant is always aligned with God's priorities, always ready to be graciously used as a tool of God's will, always active in God's great story that is infinitely bigger than all of us. A great story in which those who have been oppressed and silenced are heard and healed and may we all work together with god for that glorious day when everything is truly all right amen thanks for listening to the covenant presbyterian church podcast i invite you to visit our website covpresatl.org that's c-o-v-p-r-e-s-a-t-l.org There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.